Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Hello, Verinia. So today, we're uh, ready for the PAMD prize match. Yes. I'm <laughs> um, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. As we know, there are a lot of similarities between the physician path, the physician assistant path, but they're not completely the same. So we're going to talk today with uh, our lovely friend, Savannah Perry, who is the founder of the PA platform, to learn more about the PA path, as well as how to decide which path is best for you. I know. I know the right path. There's <laughs> only There's only one. There's only one way. Savannah Perry. Hello, my friend. Hello. How are you? Can y'all hear me? I, I can hear you. You are great. Perfect. Uh, I'm excited. I, I'd mentioned earlier when we were kind of uh, announcing our, our guests for today, I, I mentioned you coming on and I was going to, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this argument. But it's not an argument to be had. These are different careers for yeah. different people, for different personalities. And, and I think at the end of the day, there's too much conflict in the pre-med and pre-PA world of like, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a PA. Uh, I'm And pre-meds are like, oh, you're only being a PA for X, Y, or Z, whatever, right? So yeah. let's let's dispel right off the bat. There's no winner here. No. There's no winner. It's just, yeah. who are you? The patients are the winners. The patients. Uh, I love it. I love it. So Savannah Perry, you are a physician assistant. Were you were you ever pre-med? Uh I would say yes-ish. Yeah. Maybe I was just an undecided. Yeah. I'm a self-diagnosed over researcher. <laughs> uh so going into college, I think I was just a little bit of everything, you know open to whatever. I want to do something in the medical field. I knew about doctors. I knew about nurses. I had barely heard of PAs, knew about PT, all these different things. And all I thought at the time was, okay, you just got to be a biology major and you can do whatever. Yeah. And so I was a bio major. I was with a bunch of pre-med people. I was pre-med-ish, pre-dental, pre-anything. Yeah. Uh, so still in that kind of searching phase, I was not someone who was die hard. I'm going to be a doctor. That was never me. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the right answer for almost everyone out there. They should be pre everything ish to begin with and go ask questions. I think too many students come into this journey. I'm going to be a doctor. 
come heck or high water, right? <laughs> like that's the only thing I'm gonna do. And they don't allow themselves to go, well, what else is out there? And then potentially we have doctors that are out there practicing now that are burnt out, that hate their jobs, and they would have been phenomenal physical therapists and would have changed the physical therapy world if they would have considered it. So uh, I, I I love that perspective. And, and I think it's okay. It comes up a lot. I don't know for, for the PA side on a medical school application on a, on a, on CASPA um, putting the application in is, is it okay for PA applicants to put physician shadowing because it's okay right. for physician or pre-med students to put PA shadowing on the application. It shows that you're exploring. Yes, a hundred percent. And I recommend that we have this conversation a lot where you should take any opportunity given to you to explore medicine. And that may be with a PA that may be with a nurse, a doctor, a nurse practitioner. Uh, you know, I think to have a well-rounded experience and to feel fully confident in the decision you're making, having those experiences is so important. Yeah. There's a lot of fear in the pre-med world that if you like didn't come out of the womb with a stethoscope in your hand, knowing that you wanted to be a physician, that you're going to be looked down upon. So it's okay to explore. I think medical schools will enjoy that more. And I'm sure PA schools as well, because then they're, they're assured that this is something that you want and you've been exploring it. So as we as we go down this path, pre-med, pre-PA, it's a lot of similar steps to take to get to a, a different end goal. Where do you think the the first kind of what potentially the first kind of questions a student should be asking themselves? I want to be in healthcare. I know I don't want to take care of animals, so that <laughs> excludes vets. Okay, uh, teeth are gross. I, I don't want to be a dentist. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying this personally. I'm just saying this is what I hear. Um, yeah. Uh, so I I think I want to be a physician, a PA, potentially an NP. We'll we'll leave that one out of the I mix for there, today. Yeah. Um, what is the first question potentially that students should ask themselves to start to get to an answer? I think when you ask yourself, the first thing is just looking at your overall goals. So where do you want to be? And I'm a very future oriented person. So this is easy for me, not easy for everyone. But looking at where do you want to be in five years, 10 years? What kind of family setup do you want? Where do you want to live? Um, What other goals do you have for yourself besides your profession? And it's okay if your profession is your main goal that you want to go to work, come home and spend time with your family. But if you have other things you're interested in, in, see how those fit in to whatever professions you're looking at. And I think starting to look at those things and then taking those questions to people who have walked these paths before you and talking to as many people as possible and, and asking yourself, who can I talk to? Even if it's your cousin's best friend, it doesn't have to be someone you know that well. I mean, you might have to reach far out for these connections, but getting perspectives that then you can put into your own goals and say, okay, how does this fit with what I want to do in the future? Yeah. And kind of tying it back to our last guest, Jeff Polish of, of like, what is the story, right? What do you want your story in life to be? And, and what potentially out there is, um, 
is what's going to help me live the story that I want. So one of the the struggles that I think is out there is that as we kind of continue, as more progress is made in the world, um, the PA career field and the physician career field don't look very different in a lot of aspects, especially certain specialties, right? There, yeah. there are still very much huge differences in surgical specialties and, and so, some more uh, specialties out there. But you look at something potentially like family medicine or, or potentially just general internal medicine. Uh, you practice in dermatology. Uh, I, I see when I go to the dermatologist as a, a pale redhead, uh, I often see PAs who are just running the ship uh, and, and they're doing their, their thing. How does one with careers that are very, very similar with some subtle nuances, especially around uh, some career fields, how can they parse that information? Or do they just, they have to get in there and go, I'm going to go shadow a derm PA, a derm physician, a family medicine physician, a family medicine PA. Is it is it on the student to get all of that experience and and, and see for themselves? I think you have to see it. And there will be those people who just know, you know, they hear about a career, they have one experience, maybe they saw a provider in some aspect as a patient. And Mm -hmm. that's what solidifies it for them. We have those people who like this big event happens and they know what they're going to do. I was not that I was a slow burn. Let me figure this out kind of thing. Took me about probably a year, year and a half to really finalize my decision. But shadowing I think I had a very unique opportunity which if you can do this I highly recommend it to shadow both a doctor and a PA so they were a team they worked in hospital medicine it was the summer after my freshman year and so we went to four different hospitals in the area sometimes I rode with the doctor sometimes I rode with the PA and they were doing very similar things they were talking to patients they were having conversations they were talking to each other about the patients the PA was asking the doctor questions. The doctor was asking the PA questions. It was such a beautiful example of teamwork that it, for me, was like, this is how medicine can be. It doesn't have to be just one person dictating all this stuff. Like you can work together and that's better for the patient to have multiple people involved kind of watching out for them. And for me, after that experience was when I felt that I saw myself in the role of a PA. She was a fairly new grad. I think she was 24. Her name was Megan. She was awesome. Um, I loved what the doctor was doing. He was great also. But I just really liked how she was able to interact with patients. I liked her level of knowledge. We talked about her schooling, what her plans were in the future. She ended up moving and going into a different specialty a couple years later. And all of those things were appealing to me. Yeah, I just... It was hard for me to wrap my head around, and this should not be the only reason it should be about the profession, but I'm going to be in school until I'm 30 years old and then starting my life. And I have the thing that gave me the most anxiety was the idea of committing to one thing. I was like, how am I going to pick? How am I going to decide? And what if I decide and I can't make it happen? What (laughs) am I going to do? Whereas my husband, we haven't mentioned this, he's a hospitalist. So we went to college together. He went to med school. I was in PA school. And uh, y'all, he didn't even know about the step exams. He, he didn't even know they existed. He's yeah. somebody who just went to college and said, I'm going to be pre-med. I'm going to go to med school, got into med school, and then figured it out while he went along. Yeah. And I'm like, I even know that. Why don't you know that? Uh, <laughs> because so, you're the planner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, you just have to have to explore and kind of go go with your gut a little bit too. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up uh, both things, timeline and kind of potentially stuck in one place because those are two potentially big differentiating factors. Do you think, and you kind of mentioned it, in my mind, a student potentially may regret making a decision based on, I only want to be in school two years versus yeah. four years of school, three plus years of residency, and and making a big career choice only based on uh, both school length and and obviously cost of of school that that goes along with having a shorter school. How much do you think, if you could throw a number on it, should that be 25% of a decision, 75% of a decision? Where, where's that number you think potentially students should try to land on? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can put a number on it. That's, I mean, I guess when I think about it, I've seen, maybe we'll, I'm going to flip the percent. I've seen maybe being in Facebook groups, talking to PAs, colleagues, people I graduated with, maybe 10% of PAs, that might be too high, who kind of will say, you know, I wish I had gone to school a little bit longer. I wish I had gone towards med school a little bit more. And I don't know if the length of school was their deciding mm -hmm. factor when they chose PA or not. But I, I think for most everyone, it's something you think about. It sounds like a perk, you know? Yeah. It sounds good. Uh, but you do have to kind of look at it a little bit long-term too. And that's why I always tell people like, don't think that this is, you want to be a PA because it's going to give you a better work-life balance. Uh, don't think that, you know, it's the easy route. You, that's where you've got to talk to people. You got to talk to PAs who are out practicing. Yeah. Uh, great to talk to PA students too, but you really want to talk to somebody who is in clinical practice to give you those insights. Yeah. I have a small kind of uh, sample set very anecdotally of, of a half dozen or a dozen PAs who I've talked to who who now want to go to medical school or have yeah. gone down that path. And that's typically the answer they give is, is I made the decision based on schooling and uh, the, the length of school. And I, I realized after practicing that I, I wish I had more knowledge. And again, this is where yeah. we mentioned at the beginning, it's going to come down to a very personal kind of decision for you is what will work best for you. And, and PAs out there are practicing with the knowledge base they have and they're learning every day and, and reading more and more every day as lifelong learners, right? That's, I, I hate yeah. when, when pre-meds write, I want to be a doctor so I can be a lifelong learner. I'm like, I hate to break it to you, son. Like uh, every career field, every yeah. career field, if you want to be good at it, you're going to be a lifelong learner, uh, including PA, NP, wherever. Um, and so- uh, that small sample set that that come to us wanting help with their medical school applications as a PA, it's typically, I wish I had more knowledge, right? Now that I'm out practicing, I see what it is that I want for myself uh, in my career. So that that's a big one. And then the other big one, as you brought up, is medical school to practice here in the in the U.S., you you can't graduate and just practice, unfortunately or fortunately, because you don't learn really medicine in medical school. Um, so you, for most states, you you typically have to do at least a three year residency to then become fully um, fully board uh, certified, board eligible, um, and, and get a full medical license to to practice. 
for PAs, that's that's a little bit different, right? You you come out of school and you typically do a lot of on-the-job training for the specialty that that you want to be hired for. You go work in that specialty for a little bit and you go, hmm, okay, what's next? Uh, I'm interested in in doing something different. And you go and you apply for a job and and hopefully it's a job they'll they'll say, hey, yeah, we'll we'll train you. Um, Mm -hmm. and and you go get that job. There have been rumors for many years that that PAs may start to do a residency type program after PA school. Is that materializing anytime soon, or is are we free and clear for a while for future PAs to to realize to to know that there's no residency on the other end? So there's no required residency. Mm-hmm. There are many more opportunities now than when I graduated eight years ago. So postgraduate training programs for PAs are usually one to two years. Some places will call them a residency or a fellowship, but they are we call them postgraduate training and for certain specialties, they almost are becoming kind of expected in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Emergency medicine, surgical specialties, uh, psychiatry, ICU, critical care. Uh, there aren't any official dermatology ones, but there are some that are a little bit more unofficial where you'll go and they'll, they'll do a really intense training uh, and then kind of release you. So the, the difference is as a PA in one of these programs after completing PA school, typically you get paid around an average PA salary instead of the very, very low rates that residents get, uh, which is nice. And so you are in that job, but you're getting that extra education in the field that you want to work in. So I've had friends who have, um, one of my good friends, she did an ER uh, training program and that got her a lot more job opportunities, um, in the area that she was in. And so I think in the future to continue to be competitive with getting those types of positions for certain specialties, we'll see more and more of that. Yeah. And that seems to be as, as I've been more and more involved in understanding kind of the education world and process and what is going on with that. (laughs) So the the banner, um, uh, as I've, I've as I've been involved more and more in, in higher education and seeing everything that's going on, is is that understanding that typically whether it's kind of forced on people because that's just how you progress in a career, or for education purposes and uh, and employers going, ooh, we really like the PAs that are coming out of these training programs versus straight out yeah. straight out of school. We start to see a switch of the the expectations changing, right? Physical therapy is the easy one to point to. Historically, it was not a doctoral level degree. You'd go to PT school and and go be a physical therapist. And now to be a physical therapist, you, you basically have to have a, a doctorate in physical therapy uh, to train. And that's just kind of the expected progress of education as more and more people kind of infiltrate the the system and, and how we progress in our careers and everything else. So it'll be interesting to see. My, my expectation kind of seeing these trends is that in 15 or 20 years, the majority of PA students are going to be doing some sort of postgraduate training, whether that's a year or two years, whatever that may be. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. But I, I still potentially think, depending on, on how it's all set up, and, and I think there's a, a misconception that 
physicians are stuck in a career field. I know lots of physicians that go back and do another residency. It's not easy, especially after getting some uh, attending level salary to go, okay, I'll go back and be a resident again. Um, My husband will not be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And so that, I mean, that's one huge reason why people don't do it. Another reason it's the funding's a little bit weird. Uh, People may not know that the government funds most of the residency spots in this country. And so if you've kind of used up all of your, your training years, then the the program is going to have to kind of pay for you to to go. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see. What yeah. do you think? I know somebody who did that, and it was it was pretty crazy. Yeah. What yeah. do you think is is if if you could just put your finger on it? Go. This is the biggest difference between a PA and an MDDO that people should think about as a a big differentiator. Gosh. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. So the problem is, I'm going to clarify before I yeah. say it. The problem is with PA, our jobs can look so different. Yep. We're, we're all called PAs, but depending on where you practice, the specialty, who you practice with, it's there's such a variety. Yeah. So that's with level of autonomy. That's with how much you collaborate. That's with how much you're doing with patients. It's, so different. I'm at a dorm conference now with 400 PA. So we've been talking about this. Nice. And so that, that part's hard. I think the biggest difference is as a PA, and, and I don't like to say never, so I'm not necessarily going to say never, but you will always be working with a physician in some capacity. Hmm. There are, you know, some people pushing for independent practice, but our career was designed to be collaborative. And so that's where, you know, my first physician I worked with, we would joke that I was in her residency program because she was the one teaching me and training me. And she loved that. And at the beginning, yeah, we were together the entire time, but slowly as I learned more and became more comfortable, uh, you know, that changed. And so I, I think you also have to realize that that, what that looks like can change. And if you're not happy in one area, you go to another one. So I think there's a lot of flexibility there, but ultimately like you are not the doctor and and you have to be okay with that. That was never something that made me sad. Never something that made me go, Oh, I don't know if I like can be that. Um, I'm good at taking critical criticism or whatever they constructive criticism. Yeah. Uh, you know, if my doc says, Hey, maybe do this next time. I'm like, cool. Got it sounds good. Or, you know, we, we talk about it. And so I I think some people would struggle in that position and they, they honestly like want to be the person calling the shots and not necessarily being questioned. Um, I'm also in a practice where I can, I can ask questions to my physician. So if I see something she did and I don't really understand, I can go to her and say like, why were you doing this? What were you thinking? If it's not something I'm comfortable with, I'm like, okay, well, can you keep seeing that patient? Because that's probably not how I would do it. Um, and so I think in medicine, sometimes on the internet, this gets a little you know, <laughs> fuzzy, but, uh, there's a lot of respect yeah. and, and understanding that there are multiple ways to treat a patient that are still appropriate. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so I think that, that would be it. Like just, you have to be okay with that, but the job can look very similar. If you came in my office and didn't know who any of us were, you wouldn't be able to tell 
probably who is the doctor, who is the PA. Yeah. And, and I think that's huge, right? That, that mutual respect, that mutual understanding, the, the understanding. And it's, I think it's hard for physicians sometimes because, uh, we go through training and, uh, we kind of get stuck in our ways and, and there's data to support that a lot of our, our practice and how we take care of people is based on, what we learned in training and not necessarily newest guidelines, newest, which is yeah. hard. And then you get a PA coming in go as a recent grad going, well, no, like that's not, <laughs> that's not what I learned. Here's the new thing. And then there's conflict and whatever. And I, I think from, from both sides, uh, specifically from physicians and all the pre-meds that are watching this, like, like you need to treat your PA colleagues as equals, as your colleagues, as a member of the team. And, and it's one of those things that, uh, when I ask students like why physician versus PA, which I don't typically ask because I don't like that question because right. the most basic answer that everyone gives is like, well, I want to be the leader, right? I want to be the boss. And that's already coming from a place of dominance, of superiority, yeah. of I'm the leader, I'm the boss, everyone should listen to me. And and it just doesn't work that way in practice. Like, literally out in the real world is you are collaborating with your colleagues, whether they're NPs, nurses, PAs, social workers, physical yep. therapists, occupation, like the whole team is the team all providing input based on their specific specialty and, and their specific knowledge set that you ha you have to be comfortable taking input from other people, PA or not. So yeah. I, I, no, think, I agree. Yeah. And I think, so just to anecdotally share, uh, my husband, so we were, in, I was in PA school. He was in med school. We did our first two years at the same time. I graduated, started working and he went into his third and fourth year rotation. So as I was starting to work, I would come home and say, uh, you know, this is what I did today, or he'd be studying and we'd be asking each other questions. And I would know the answer to a question he was studying for his step exams or something. And I just remember multiple times where he's like, how do you know that? <laughs> and I was like, I went to PA school. What do you think I like? What do you think I did? What do you think I learned? Crochet. Come on. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> and so like, it was just funny because he was the person who just didn't know about other careers. And that's what he'll say yeah. now is I became a doctor because I didn't know any different. My dad was a dentist. It was either that or med school. Yeah. And so when he talks to people now, I mean, he tells them like, you may want to look at PA. You may not, but it's a good option. Yeah. And so that, you know, was funny. And then now as an attending, he works with PAs because even as a resident, they really didn't work with PAs. They would have students occasionally, but that was it. And he, he loves it. He's like, I have somebody else to help me out. Like I'm helping them and they're helping me. It's great. You know, we can tag team and see patients and talk about it. Yeah. And so it's just funny because I feel like, you know, again, on the internet, sometimes you see these opinions from people who have never been in that relationship and yeah. it's a relationship like they've never been part of that and until you have like don't knock it till you try it yeah don't, don't knock it till you try it. exactly yeah. it, it's huge and I, I love um there there are schools out there medical schools these kind of healthcare centers that are creating curriculums that like interprofessional interprofessional yes. curriculums where it's like the med students, the the PA Love students, it. the physical therapy students are all kind of together and they're learning together. And and it's opening up their eyes to go, okay, these are my future teammates, my team members, my colleagues. And and I'm going to see that they have the knowledge that 
maybe I didn't think they had because I just assumed, right, based yeah. on what I read on the internet, um, exactly that they don't know anything and they're just they went to PA school because they didn't want to go to med school. Uh, and it's just it's it's crazy what people assume just based on the internet. Well, the cool thing at our office is the PA I work with. It's a doctor and another PA. She has a background in critical care. Mm. So if a patient falls out, go get her. Yeah. If there's, you know, complicated medicine, somebody come in kind of from the hospital, we're, we're pulling her in because she has this training that we don't have, me or the doctor. Mm-hmm. And so having that is actually pretty valuable and, and makes it an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So how for for the student watching this they are like okay i I think i want to be a a pa i'm going down that path um at what point should they potentially go "Uh uh-oh i think i made the wrong decision is is there a a point of no return going down this journey i don't think so i mean maybe if you accept a spot out of program but the good thing about pa school is or the prereqs and requirements is they're going to set you up. They're very similar to med school requirements. Mm-hmm. You should have all the classes. There are more prereq specific classes for PA versus med school. And your PA ones would cover med school. Um, maybe, I know I'm not going to say GPA because I know you can fix that. Yep. Kind of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. One big thing is for PA school, you do need experience. So if you yeah. like made that switch, and, and I know for med school, sometimes research and things. So you may have to tailor your experience a little bit differently. Um, I had somebody today who emailed me this is the opposite, but she got into med school and has decided to switch to PA. Wow. And she was like, do I tell the schools? What do I do? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, tell them. That's fine. Like yep. you changed your mind. Tell them why. And you're good. Perfect. So, yeah, I mean, I think you just have to revalue it, but you should be pretty similarly on the right path, even if you change your mind. Yeah. And, and I think the the answer is for me, like anytime, change your mind. We, we live in a world, unfortunately, where, uh, like in, in politics, politicians are, 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 are harassed and, and made fun of for flip-flopping. Right. And sometimes it's, it's games, but I I think we have this sense that we're not allowed to change our minds. And I change my mind all the time. (laughs) Sometimes it frustrates my team. They're like, but you didn't say that yesterday. You said something else. I'm like, I changed my mind. (laughs) Sorry. I think it's a strength to go. I I took in more information. I reexamined myself. I asked myself some more critical questions. And I want to change my mind. I may be a year into PA school. I'm going to change my mind. Instead of paying for another year, I'm going to say, sorry, school, I'm leaving. Uh, yeah. Or or the same for med school. Uh, and, and you want to go to PA school. I think it's it's never too late to change your mind. Uh, I, I like to talk about the fallacy of sunk costs all the time, where too many people are like, well, I've already done this much. I've already gone so far down this path. I might as well keep going. And I'm like, no, like I, that's just trash. Uh, I fear regret more than uh, sunk costs. So yeah, life uh, life's too short. Life is too short. Yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up on uh, Q and A time for students, um, so we'll start to to bring in some questions here. One of the biggest things that I, I think you just mentioned as a differentiator between PA school and medical school uh, are the kind of hard requirements that I wish medical schools had. Uh, most PA schools have pretty hard requirements around patient care experience hours or healthcare experience hours. 
Talk talk about that real quick in terms of a, a big difference with PA school and med school. Yes. So PA schools have specific requirements. We do have a universal application called CASPA. There's no early acceptance or that whole process. Um, and the hard thing is that it varies significantly between programs, what the requirements are. And that's yeah. unfortunate because it makes it very complicated. Um, but in general, you're going to have your regular pre-med, uh, prereqs, you're going to have anatomy, physiology, uh, in addition to those, um, sometimes some statistics, genetics, they'll have some specific ones they want occasionally. And then healthcare experience, but more specifically patient care experience. So you directly involved with the patient's experience. So that's something like EMT, paramedic, MA, uh, CNA, the more responsibility, the better, higher quality care, but something where you are with patients. Some schools will say it's recommended. Some want 2000 hours. It just varies. Um, and then they're shadowing and then we don't take the MCAT. We do either the GRE or the PA cat for PA school. All these felines running our lives. I know. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Do we have questions? Mashika back. Could you elaborate a little bit on the roles of the PA versus the MDDO in a team setting and how they work together? Yeah, it just, it varies so much. So I'm in Durham. So when I go to work, I have my own um, set schedule of patients. We all see anywhere between 35 and 40 patients a day. The, The physician I work with has her own schedule. She's available if I need her. So some days I don't need her for anything having to do with patients. Some days I feel super needy and I'm asking her questions all day. And so we'll, I'll see the patients, um, and just kind of refer to her if needed. Uh, if I have a complicated note or something I want her opinion on, I'll send it to her so she can review it and then we can talk about it. But if you're in a surgical setting, uh, some of my friends who work in surgery, they're pretty like tied to their physician most of the time. They're going in to see patients together to pre-op, talk about a plan. They're going into the OR together. Uh, so that it just varies so much. And it also varies based on experience too, because the more experience you have, the probably the more you're going to do on your own or going to look a little different than if you're a new grad. Yeah. How much variation is there by state? Because I, I think it's pretty much state medical boards and, and uh, kind of laws that are dictating kind of the roles of the PA and the yeah. autonomy of the PA. So the states don't dictate as much of like what you can actually do. It's more how many notes have to be signed, how many PAs a doctor can work with more so than as much what you can do. So for Derm, one example though, is in Derm in Alabama, uh, dermatology PAs cannot do um, filler. They can't do cosmetic injections. I don't know. Like it's just very random. I think nurses can do them there like RNs. So okay. that's more of like a lobbying yeah. situation. Uh, but like, if you want to be an aesthetic PA, you probably don't need to move to Alabama and you just need to know that. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Great question. Jason asks, there seem to be a lot of PA DMSC programs. Does the role of the PA with DMSC differ from even that of PAs with an MSC? What's a DMSC? I don't know that. Uh, so that's a new doctorate program. There's actually only one that I'm aware of Lynchburg. There may be another one starting up. Um, so that's something that PAs would get after PA school. That's not like a PA program. Um, and so everyone I've known who's done it has been academic 
or very involved with kind of legislation stuff mm. and doing it from that perspective, it doesn't change anything clinically. Yeah. So it's, it's a typically a non-clinical doctorate degree. Yeah. Yeah. And very similar to kind of DMPs as well. That's, that's typically a non-clinical yeah. doctorate that, uh, that they're getting. So the, the MSC is just through the DMSC. So that's just a master of science. And I, I've seen yeah. that with, with PA programs are all PA programs, master's level programs, or it just depends. Yeah. They are now. So okay. when the profession started in the seventies, they were all bachelor's programs. Okay. And then um, actually probably about five years ago, they switched their requirement to being a master's okay. for all programs. All right. Awesome. Great question. Jason Lorena asks, do most pre-PA students obtain their direct patient care hours while completing their BSBA or after they graduate? I think it's a variety. And a lot of people are non-traditional for PA. Most people find out about the PA profession either sophomore and junior year or after they've graduated college. Mm. But a lot of people are able to find some way to incorporate patient care hours during PA school or during undergrad if they know that's what they want to do. I worked during the summer as a CNA uh, at a rehab hospital to get my hours and then did hospice during the year at school. Yeah. Um, But yeah, taking a gap year is not a bad thing, though. I've never heard anyone regret taking a gap year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same for medical school. Uh, a lot will depend on kind of your coursework and course requirements and other responsibilities that you may have if you're working to help pay for school or help support family, whatever uh, students run the gamut. There's there's no, I think, pre, pre-med, pre-PA, there's no one path to get to where you want to be. And I wouldn't sacrifice your grades to try to fit it all in really quickly. No. <laughs> grades are hard to fix and expensive. Don't do that. Amy asks, can you share the differences between an emergency physician and an emergency PA, like besides the obvious? Oh, that's one of the specialties that is going to vary based on where you're at. So two of my best PA friends are both ERPAs and their jobs look completely different. Like if you went and shouted both of them, they do very different things. Um, One of them works very closely with the physician. So in her role, she goes and staffs the patient and gets them started. So it doesn't matter what level, I don't know all the different emergency medicine levels, um, what level the patient is. She just goes, you know, says we need labs, x-rays, whatever, goes, talks to the physician, and then they teamwork it. The other PA, she does more of kind of the lower acuity stuff. Mm. So it's like, I guess her hospital has higher levels. So typically like the physicians are staffing those, she's staffing more of the lower level stuff. And then if it gets crazy, sounds like it's kind of a free for all. And they're just trying to take care of everybody. But um, it, but she's more autonomous in her ER versus my other friend. Yeah. Awesome. Palumi asks, can PAs do research? Heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. There's uh, I have a podcast interview with a really awesome PA who, uh, does cardiology research at the Mayo Clinic. Um, but yeah, you can definitely get involved at this conference. I'm at, there's so many PAs doing research. It's amazing. Yeah. Christian asks, do you know of any international opportunities or telehealth PA opportunities that could let you practice as a PA while living abroad? Internationally right now, PAs are recognized by the UK, Canada, and New Zealand. Um, and so those are countries you could potentially work in. I also have some podcast interviews with UK PAs and 
the salary is a lot different than it is here uh, just because medicine's different. So that's something to look into. As far as telehealth, I think that's such a growing field. I'm not sure if you can work internationally doing that. I don't really see why not, though. I feel like there would be opportunities for sure. Yeah, there, it's interesting in the medical world. Uh, there may be some opportunities to do um, like teleradiology sitting on the beach in, in Australia or something, but it's just going to depend on the, the state that you're in and what they, uh, what they will yeah. allow. Awesome. Alexandria, what advice do you have for first-year undergrads just beginning their studies? So focus on your grades. Focus, focus. Grades. Focus on your grades. Yeah. I mean, just make that a priority. Uh, balance your schedule. Kind of look at what you've got to take. I don't think that was something I was very good at, and it's something that I try to help students with now is just, you know, if you can balance those more difficult classes with some of your easier prereqs, like don't or electives, like don't save all your electives for senior year, like use them while you're taking OCHEM to make your life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Same, same for the MD route, pre-med route, uh, is, is focus on those grades and there's, there's time to fill in all the other stuff that you should be doing. Ethereal. What do you think of ADN BSN route to PA? What is ADN? I don't know what ADN is. BSN, Bachelor's of Nursing. Yeah. Um, I think nursing is great experience and patient care experience before PA, for sure. Um, That should set you up. You may have to take some prereqs, but it's not a big deal. But you'll have definitely the experience you need. Yeah. I would check your state. If you already have a BSN um, and see, like you're already kind of on the nursing route, see if your state is more NP or PA friendly. Yeah before you sign up. Yeah, so the, the ADN is associate's degree of nursing and then bachelor's uh, of okay. science of nursing. So, gotcha. yeah, great experience. Yeah, and same for pre-med. Uh, it's a very common question. Yeah. Uh, I, I talked to someone yesterday for the pre-med years, uh, a physician now, she went the nursing route knowing that number one, it's a, it's a decent plan B in case she never got into medical school. But she also used that path because she knew she wanted to take some time off before applying to medical school to go work as a nurse, make some money, take a little break from school. And then she applied to medical school, got in, and, and now is a, yeah. a physician. So there, again, there's no one right way to get to your end goal, which is uh, yeah. it's, it can be frustrating to know that it's kind of up to you. Uh, a lot of a lot of students are like, just tell me what to do, uh, and it's 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 frustrating for them to hear that. Uh, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, I get it. We were there. Yeah, Amy asks for those who are thinking of switching from pre med to pre PA. How dare you? Uh, what extra classes should they consider taking that aren't required for med school? I mean, I'm not as up on the med school requirements. I'll just tell you the typical ones. So usually you're going to buy one bio two, gen chem one and two, organic chem and or biochem, microbiology, uh, statistics, psychology, anatomy and physiology. Some kind of recommended ones that may fall in there are genetics, um, some specific psychology courses, sometimes they want abnormal psych or developmental psych. Uh, some places will only take biostatistics and don't want regular statistics. So you really have to make your list of programs mm. and use that as your guide. Cause if you're just guessing or hoping they take biochem and then you end up, they wanted OCHEM too, 
you you really have to read the fine print. Yeah. So some some relatively big differences there from pre-med to, to PA. Uh, anatomy and physiology is is a prereq maybe for like less than a half dozen schools. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like maybe a little bit more standard prereq for PA school. Um, it's every single school you're going to have to have that. Awesome. So that, that's a big difference there. Stats, again, probably not uh, a big prereq for, for medical schools, um, but maybe good for, for PA schools. Um, and then orgo, typically one and two. So full year of orgo with biochemistry typically required, if not for medical school, for the MCAT very specifically. Uh, so yeah, so some, some few differences there. Yeah. Awesome. Tommy asks, are there any restrictions in family medicine for procedures, assessments, et cetera, that a physician can do that a PA cannot? That will 100% depend for family medicine on where you practice, your experience, who you work with. Yeah. Um, so I've never worked in family medicine at my old office, my first office, I was trained in surgical procedures like actual excisions, we all do biopsies. Um, but I didn't actually do many excisions there, but I did a lot more cosmetic procedures. And then in my new office, I do less cosmetics and many more surgical procedures. So part of that as a PA is finding a job where you get to do the things you like to do. Um, but yeah, it'll vary. Yeah. Let's let, as we wrap up here in, in one minute for future PAs who are listening to this, how do they find a good, uh, a good physician to work with a, a physician who's going to trust them to give them yeah. that kind of freedom to do some of those things without questioning every move? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, interviewing, talking to them, talking to anyone who's worked there before, at everywhere that I've interviewed, I went and shadowed for a day and just spent a day with them to see if it was a good fit, if it seemed like we were on the same page. Um, and then you've got to be willing to leave. If, if a job's not working out, if it's not safe for you, if you're being asked to do things that you don't feel comfortable doing, or you're feeling limited, if you have someone who still wants to go in every single room with you and you have eight years of experience, uh, I've never been in that position, but I know people who have, you know, that may not be the best fit. So you, good news is there's lots of opportunities out there. Uh, you just have to keep your eyes and ears open for them. Yeah. Well, Savannah Perry from the PA platform. Thank you so much for joining us at MappedCon 2022. Yes, thanks for the great conference. Yes, having so much fun. Hopefully, lots of students have a little bit of a clearer picture uh, potentially on what they want to do and or they now have better questions to inform their journey moving forward. Everyone can find out more from you at thepaplatform.com. So thank you. Go enjoy your conference. Bye. Bye-bye. This is MedEd Media.